Welcome to this week's episode of For the Community Podcast with your boy Stat Fowler. Our very own Jimmy Shooter has returned to the building, and then we got two guests. Uh, one former standout track star at the SUNY Farmingdale, Kasim Ellis, now a financial advisor, extraordinaire. And we got Jordan Allen, former D1 athlete at both Hofstra and Sacred Heart. And both of these guys just happen to be my cousins, just throwing that out there. Not like black people cousins, they're like actually blood related to me. But anyway, they come on the show to shed some light on some uh, important issues regarding the lack of financial literacy in our community. And they try their best within the time allotted to uh, share those gems with you guys. So sit back, relax, and get ready for this week's episode of For the Community. I would probably say that the biggest misconception when it comes to investing is that it requires a lot of money to actually get started. Obviously, having more money makes investing a lot easier biggest kind of advantage that most young people have is time investing over time consistently and making sure that you're you know you have good habits you're investing based off of your proper risk tolerance and things like that um that goes that goes a long way so i think like i said i think the biggest misconception is just you know it's like a lack of education surrounding you know what investment options are out there and how much actual capital or money is required to actually get makes sense makes sense jay i'll care to care to add on to that or disagree or agree nah i think that was uh that was well put well put the good brother kasim was uh was speaking on something that was already on my mind you know the biggest misconception is that you know we watch movies like wolf of wall street and we we have all this graphic imagery of these people running around on wall street and we have this perception that have a bunch of money just to invest in just your future you know right i was i was explaining to my younger cousin the other day how to use robin hood just if if those of you that don't know what it is really only need two dollars to invest and and it's it's very straightforward. Uh, it tells you what you're buying your stock for. There's just the biggest misconception that you need a bunch of money to invest, and and that's not the case. But you know, again, the good brother Kasim spoke about it before. It's just we didn't have this information. I mean, a lot of people still don't have it. Right. And that's the thing. Like we, it used to be like so foreign. Like only a few people had access to said information. But now it's literally at our fingertips. And look into. I think now the conversation is more so how do you expose it to people? Let alone like a lot of people aren't exposed to just the overall idea or the option. Like you know, we hear Robin Hood, like Acorns. Um, there's a third one. I I hear those apps all the time. Like and I use them. There's some people who like let's say my one of my good friends, uh, Quentin. Cali, he just found out about Robin Hood two weeks ago, and he's like 34, 35. And as long as I've known, Robin Hood has been around for at least six, seven years. Um, where do we start? Like, how do what's the what's the first step in order to, to initiate the conversation without people being offended? Because you know how like you try to introduce a new idea or even just an option to people and they get offended because it's like the way you said it's like, oh wait, you didn't know that existed? You know, like I feel like we as a culture we have a bad habit of doing that probably say for the most part i don't ever anticipate or expect anybody to understand investing especially to the level that i understand it i'm in the industry so i pretty much have to work with it every single day i'm a licensed financial advisor so i I had to be tested to get those licenses so to actually expect anybody to know it on the level that i actually understand it is not like realistic or or else they'll probably be doing what i do now Mm -hmm. um 
but the way that I kind of present it, it's not really uh, take an approach, you kind of take an educational standpoint from it. So you don't really look to kind of gauge what people know. Right. You kind of just put the information out there and you allow them to ask questions. And for the most part, the way that I kind of enter the conversation is just ask people what their goals are, ask them what they're trying to accomplish. If right. they have no goals, you ask them a simple question, something like, hey, like, when do you plan on stop working? You know, you've been working all this time, you have a job, you're doing whatever you're doing right now. When do you plan on stopping? And when you plan on stopping, what is going to sustain the rest of your life while you're in retirement? And then once they kind of present those figures and those ideas, you kind of fill in the blanks with them and kind of explain to them how investing can help them to actually reach those levels. I feel as though a lot of people don't, like their mind only goes to the weekend, you know, like no one looks (laughs) past the weekend. How many times, like I can count on one hand, how many times I hear anyone talking about retiring in our age, like, oh, you know, I want to make sure this is going to be good by the time I'm 45 or 50, you know, when retirement is like really, really close. Um, I don't hear anyone talking about that. Yes, half of that is my responsibility because, you know, you surround yourself around certain people, you're going to get what those people get. I get that. But Jimmy, hopefully you can contest to the fact where it's like, that's just not a conversation like us 24, 25 year olds typically have. Well, I would definitely agree with that. It's a lot about the company you keep. The company that I keep, we are trying to, well, some of the company that I keep, we're trying to change that narrative and change that understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I work with boys to men and, mm-hmm. and yeah, we work with the children on certain things. And I've got a brother or a friend, but, you know, call him brother Muhammad, that he's a, he's somewhat of a financial investor, you can say, or, mm-hmm. or uh, he, he understands finances because he, he works with a life insurance company. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about what different types of ways to invest and I can come to him with questions like I had heard the word annuity three months ago for the first time and I was like what the hell is that and the way that they were speaking about it it sounded like something you should that know. I should be knowing about exactly. <laughs> so, so I you know I quickly uh, contacted him and, and, and I asked him you know what, what was that about it he broke it down for me and I think you know back to what you were saying about how we should not hard to start these conversations with certain people without them feeling offended I think he has somewhat mastered that in the sense that he breaks it down to where it's simple for you but at the same time while he's speaking he's breaking it down every step of it so you might know some you might know you might not know others he doesn't assume like Kasim said he doesn't assume that you know any of it just goes down and breaks it all down from point A to point B as simple as anybody can understand it and answers any questions that you have but I think that not only are you able to do that in the position that he is you're only able to do that I think when you're in a position that he is or Kasim is or it sounds like where Jordan is where you actually know what you're talking about I'm not able to answer those questions I'm not able to have that information but I don't think that people should feel afraid to give their number out to give the number of somebody who is a financial investor or uh, knows a little bit or knows knows a lot about financial investing so that these people who ask these questions can get the proper information and not get thrown down the wrong path but i do want to ask a question what are some of these habits that we should be looking into i mean there's there's a bunch of different good habits obviously um but some of the ones that i would kind of put out there is getting into the habit of saving before spending a lot of people nowadays you know they 
everybody wants to save money to some sort of extent whatever saving means for you i mean whatever you're saving for like everybody kind of wants to do it but a lot of people they have a habit of spending money first and then saying hey you know whatever is left over i'll just save that and i'll put that to the side where realistically the more successful way to kind of accomplish that is to treat your savings as like another one of your bills If you know that every weekend you're going to go out and you're going to spend 200 300 partying or even if you're going to spend, you know, $100 on your cable bill and stuff like that, why not, you know, factor into your budget, you know, 100 200 a week to put to the side for into, into you know an investment or to put to the side for my savings for a rainy day, something like that. But a lot of that stuff will also come with another good habit which would, which which is what I would say would be creating a budget. A lot of people they've heard the word budget before, they've maybe you've done one in the past, but they don't actually keep up with their budget. So when their expenses change and their income changes they don't update their budget i think that it's very it's a very very good idea for people to always know you know where your money's coming in from and where it's and where it's basically going out of there's a lot of people that if you ran your budget right now when you looked at your monthly balance of what should be left it's not actually what's in your bank account <laughs> so so the next question you would ask yourself is okay how did i end up here there's a lot of people out there that you know people make you know 2000 5000 10000 whatever you make every single month and their bills are only you know 1500 3000 whatever they are so at the end of your budget it says hey you should have $1000 left over you should have $2000 left over right. and when you look at their bank account they're like oh i feel like i'm living check to check that that's a part of being able to maintain your a, a proper budget and obviously i know you know emergencies and different things come up like that for the most part if you're maintaining your budget on a month to month basis you'll be able to you know combat some of those times as well so those would be two of the habits that i would say that are good habits to build is maintaining a budget correctly and then factoring your saving into like your actual bills and, and actually saving your money before spending versus spending then saving aka for all the people who get a second job and still ended up with the same amount of money you had with the one job that was for you <laughs> that part was for you hey jay i'll give us give us your take on that Yeah no he's absolutely right. You know this idea that I took a deep dive so I don't know if you got you fellas know but I live up here in Connecticut. I'm sure you guys are very familiar with the amount of wealth that's in uh, the state of Connecticut. So I I I joined a, a country club up here, Simsbury Country Club and uh they have these different tiers of of membership at these country clubs. So the highest tier obviously golf and they got give you a robe and they do all this stuff and you get invited to all these galas and stuff. So I'm obviously at the lowest tier. It's like a junior member. I'm not even a full member. But I I joined this this country club uh for the contacts and the things that it could bring forth. So I was sitting with a guy named Patrick Quinlan and uh we could talk about later about what his his story, but he and I were talking and we were talking about just habits and um I'm going to assume that everyone on this on this call on this uh on this log today is close with their family. and uh so I, we just started talking we started talking about the different habits of 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 our culture our natural tendency is to you know when we're kids we kick it with our cousins you know we kick it with the kids on our block depending upon where you if, if you grew up in a projects you, you kick it with the kids in your projects or in your yeah, building and yep. and we got away from that so then it became a lot less centered around the people that that you're hanging out with then it turns into okay I'm gonna leave and go over here and those aren't the original people that you started with so now it turns into okay uh I'm gonna go play ball at the park or I'm gonna go to the roller skating rink to I'm gonna go to the club or 
I'm going to go, you know, if I, I got family from the South. And, and so they say, yeah, we, we're going to this kickback or, you know, we, we're going to go over here to, to the pool hall. And it just turns into the situation where we're just shelling out money, you know, and it's, and, and I'm addressing your, your topic about, you know, the weekend. I, I propose that it's it's systematic, right? Because in our mind, kids, you know, when, when we enter elementary school, we're, we're taught Monday through Friday. And I said, well, what if, what if, what if systematically we broke up the week and said, you know what, you get um, Wednesday and Saturday. Does that change our mind? Do we stop, you know, looking forward to the weekend to spending? Because it's like, hey, you know what, I'm off on Wednesday, but then I got to work again on Thursday. Does that change our habits? I don't think it does. Back to the good brother Kasim's point, we have to start with ourselves mm-hmm. and save first then spend treat our savings first you can go through all these scenarios and 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 try to figure it out you have to save first i agree with him and jenny you have to save first and then uh treat yourself with whatever's left afterwards i would even go one step further and call it pay yourself first and then you know what i'm saying do what you do as you wish with what's left that makes a whole lot of sense i never really um well i have but like you said, it's not going to change our habits if we broke it up like that because we're taught we, it's just so deeply ingrained that freedom is Friday night, Saturday, and then Sunday up until about seven o'clock when everyone's thinking about oh, Monday's tomorrow, paycheck fall on Fridays, you know, like everything just revolves and like it just makes sense to live your life. Like there's so many people who wake up on Tuesday and be like, damn, I can't wait till Friday, but you got three whole days worth of productivity or make worthwhile. And it's just like it gets lost in the fact that like, well friday i get to go out and do what i did last week and the week before that and the week before that so so and not to cut you off so so my my father when i was a kid he used to uh he always brought his lunch right Mm -hmm. and i used to always say man why is this guy you you know he would take the leftovers and my mother would be making our our bag lunch with the little oatmeal cookies in them and so father he would always be packing the leftovers like man guy doing this guy's making you know taking all the stuff and and anything that we didn't eat he would just scrape it into a bowl pack it in his his uh his lunchbox and be like yeah i'm gonna take it tomorrow i didn't know one because we didn't we didn't have money like that that he couldn't afford to eat out but then i later learned later on that my father told me like listen i I was doing that because i was saving for a house Mm. now if i would have went to food truck every day eating a hot dog or chili dog or eating a hamburger from mcdonald's every single day that stuff adds up now maybe i can't put a down payment on a home or I can't get it. I don't, I don't get approved for an FHA loan because I don't have enough money in my account or I don't have, I don't have a, enough capital to, to make an investment. Right. So those, that, so now I apply that to what I'm doing now. I hardly ever eat out. If it's on occasion, I'll eat out. Um, I'm usually asking questions now, like, Hey, some people call it cheap. I call it saving money. You know, I'll ask like, Hey, where, where are we going? I don't ask who's going to go, who's going to beat it. That's not really my concern. My concern is my, is my, finances first i'm not going Simple to P- i'm not going to peter luger unfortunately i can send you a card right um, <laughs> right you know for your birthday but i'm not gonna spend you know a hundred plus dollars and i know tomorrow i'm gonna wake up and say man i should have saved that money Oof, so uh, simple but we we get it wrong constantly i, I got i ain't gonna lie to you I, I got it wrong on uh saturday i went to chipotle i, I broke down <laughs> but just like those little things where people don't understand like yo 
why don't you go out? Why don't you do this? Like, how much are we going to spend realistic? $70, $80? And then I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, damn, do I want to call in fraud? Do I want to be like, that wasn't me? <laughs> such and such dollars at such and such place. Do I really want to do that? You know what I'm saying? But just, just to bring it back to one of the things you said, Jordan, um, FHA, right? People out there don't know what FHA is, my brother. I need you uh, to please enlighten the good folks. Though. So it stands for, it's the, the FHA is an acronym and some people consider it a program. It, it, it really does, it really, it's just set up to serve a purpose. Right. It's to get you in a house, it's to get you approved for a loan. Federal Housing Authority. Right. And they have all of these programs. Um, you know, usually when people are going through real estate, they first one they hear about is the, the 203k loan, mm-hmm. uh, first time home buyers, and etc. And there's different tiers of the 203k loan that people are probably familiar with. You, you can get the streamline or you can get the, the renovation costs rolled into the 203k loan. There are different things, but right. um, a lot of people think uh, that's that's the other misconception too. You know, we were talking earlier about investing. I think the good brother Kasim was talking about investing. You know, people think you need all this money to invest, and people right. think you need all this money to get into a house. You don't need a bunch of money to get into a house <laughs> at um, all. At all. And uh, you know, what you need is is enough money for a down payment, uh, not great credit, but decent credit, and a steady job. And and you can find yourself in a home, you know. I, I and I don't I don't want to take up too much time because I know the good brothers got some some information they want to share. A friend of mine, a, a friend of a friend, you know, their family had been renting for over eighteen years, and mm-hmm. you know, talking to them, and everyone has their own theory or, or their own ideology on renting versus buying. Um, but you know, this is hey man, why you know? I asked him, said, why, why don't you? Why did your family never bought a house? Oh, you need so much money, man. You need like $20,000. So, but where did you hear that from? <laughs> right. Who right. told you that? Don't you need? And and then it, it turned in from him telling me to him asking. He said, the first thing he said was, well, don't you need X amount of dollars, $15,000 to get into a house? I said, no, you don't need that. Not at all. Now, I don't know what, I don't know what his family's finances are, but I, I, I gave him a little piece of information. I said, listen, if your family's looking to get into a house, just look, just look at the array of options you have when you're applying for an FHA loan. That's it. That's all you, you already have a credit union. You're, you're, uh, you're in Queens, New York. There are pretty, 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 there, there, there are plenty of credit unions that you can apply with you can usually usually stay with your bank they'll give you a better rate and so he he took it from there i haven't gotten an update because i don't really like to ask questions about people's pockets so i i I hope that i was able to steer him in the the right direction and if you guys want to jump in and chime in what what do you guys think is biggest misconception in our own community i'm going to assume that all are are either black or or minority but what do you think is the is the biggest uh misconception within minority communities with with home ownership all right i'm gonna jump in before i forget i think one of the biggest ones people believe you have to have a house by a certain age like you have to have a house um because i actually have a couple of friends that either just either just got their house or they're in the process of getting one and they don't have kids you know it's just them and then i'm just sitting there like i feel as though you want a house just for the sake of saying you have a house like financially it wouldn't make much sense for you to get a house um like i'm starting to see like you know the crowd that makes a decent amount of money and they like they have to have everything like everything has to be perfect you know everything has to be oh i have to have the 750 credit score the fifty thousand dollars up front and you know three or four references 
No, like people are almost, they're not giving away houses like they were prior to uh, 2008, but it's not as hard as you may think. Like even my mom, for example, she's around a certain age <laughs> and she's never owned her own house. You know, she's always been the renter. You know, she's always just like, no, you know, just in case something happens, I just want to rent. And then recently she was talking about rent to own. And I've never heard that working out well for anyone. The misconception is that you need way too much money, just like saving, just like investing. It's you have to have something with a comma in it um, and a couple of zeros in order for you to invest. Um, and I know Kasim has been itching, so I'm gonna let you go ahead and take that next. I mean, you guys kind of hit most of the nails on the head. Like, I think for the most part, everybody believes when it comes to investing that the barrier of entry is far higher. Mm -hmm. So, and that's like almost in all aspects of like everything in investing. Um, but just to like play the other side of the fence also to kind of, you know, piggyback off of what you said, I think another misconception is that you have to purchase a home and that purchasing a home is a great idea. Sometimes purchasing a home is not the best investment for everybody. Right. If you can find a place where, you know, you, you're happy and, you're, and your quality of life is really good and you're renting and it's saving you money versus buying a house. As long as you're taking that money that you're saving and you're investing it, mm -hmm. that becomes your investment. You can build an asset that way. So to kind of sum it all up, there really is no one way to skin a cat. You know what I mean? Everybody thinking that, you know, oh, you have to own a house. You have to own a house. That's really like a really old school mentality. And I think it also comes from the minority thing. It comes from back in the day when we, when it was very difficult for people in our communities to actually own property. So now that we have access to it, now we feel like we have to jump on it. Where in some situations where our finances are not cut out for that, where our situation, let me not even say our finances, so to speak, because there are people that are millionaires who don't own houses because it just doesn't call for it. Right. It's, it's really just your scenario. Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's situation is different, which means that literally everybody's investment strategy should be different. So there is no person out there that can tell you, hey, do exactly what I did and you'll be successful because your situation might be different. So that's really the main reason why it's very important to either consult with somebody who's a professional that can educate you AKA or try to get as much education. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the people that, you know, will give you insight. Um, but for the most part, even with all my clients, like I really encourage people to continue with their education as far as learning about investing or their different options. My job is to basically lay the options out in front of you, but your job is to kind of tell me which ones work out best for you and fit, you know, fit, you feel fit your situation. Right. I can't tell you how to invest because I invest for myself and I invest based off of my own situation. So I do the best that I can to understand your situation and point you in the right direction. But at the end of the day, you know, you're only going to feel 100% comfortable and confident and you're only going to stick to your own plan if you feel 100% comfortable and confident, but that's only going to happen if you fully understand what you're Well, would you suggest people invest in what they believe in to start or would you rather them invest in something that is like a Fortune 500? It really depends. I mean, people be having some shaky beliefs. <laughs> Honestly, um, if you don't know much about investing, then the best thing to do is to get educated first. I would never, and like, it's just not a good idea to tell anybody to invest in anything right. um, without them actually having some sort of background of what it is. Fortune 500 company, yeah, I mean, that sounds great. But if you don't actually know what a Fortune 500 company is, then you're not even going to feel confident investing in that. And maybe a month down the line, when you feel like things are not working out, you're like, oh, I'm going to stop doing this now. It's not going to work out for you anyway. And you have to really feel convicted within yourself that what you're doing is the right decision. If you don't feel that, then you're not going to stay consistent. And if you're not consistent, then you've already lost.
seems like everybody agrees that it's best for us to ask questions and and figure out our own finances and what system that we're playing and what is the landscape that we're trying to take hold of and so uh i would say i don't know if not necessarily a misconception but a reality in our community in the black community is that we don't like to feel stupid like we feel like that that has always been something that we've always been told like oh you know uh, we feel like we're inferior or we we've, we've been told that we're inferior so part of that is being dumb and not being smart and not understanding and comprehending certain things that we're supposed to so a lot of times people don't feel comfortable with asking questions because they feel like they would look dumb or seem dumb and and I would recommend that they get as best as they can to get out of that and break out of that mind frame i will play dumb until the cow sing or whatever that phrase is because that's what allows me to get information. Like I'll ask, I'll sit for hours and just ask questions about one topic just so I can fully understand it. And right. you know, at the time, you know, you that person may feel like I don't, I don't know whether they'll feel or don't feel. But either way, what I'm saying is like take advantage, try to take advantage of your resources. Like, and one of your resources that you have people around you or banks around you, financial institutions around you that you can just go up for free and ask them questions just ask them questions and then ask them if they can't answer that question where do they think you can get that answer from and just go around and collect as much information as you can in your spare time about whatever it is that you're trying to tackle and a lot of times obviously we know in the black community that is our finances we're trying to get a better understanding of that so uh yeah that would be re well recommended highly recommended by me is to just ask questions like um just recently i went to the bank and i i, I talked to somebody who works in the bank and he's got a desk i went up to him and i just asked you know what would it take for me to own a home with you guys what would it take for you guys to give me a, a mortgage on a home and i've done a lot of research on my own me and my, um, alex talk about it a lot me alex I, I got a good brother houston who we we get down and we try to figure this thing out but you know it doesn't hurt to get more information on the other side yeah just just go around and ask questions I was doing some research and I was reading and listening to podcasts right. and I was reading and uh, so I brought my first one. You can do it. I don't mind. Listen, this idea has been around since before me. So anybody who asks me, I, I tell them my blueprint and what worked for me. All I did was I, I listened to this podcast. This dude had pretty much given the layout. You can go on Facebook because people sell stuff on there now. Apparently you could go on uh, Craigslist, let go or offer up. And you can look at um, the different vending machines, and they they start anywhere from 250 and up. Um, so there's a single machine, the ones that we probably seen at the doctor's office, and it just has snacks. Mm -hmm. And then there's the combo machine; it has snacks and drinks in it. So I got the combo machine. So here's what I did: I went on Craigslist. There was a dude on Long Island he, who worked for the Suffolk County Water Authority, and he had a pension and all this stuff. So I saw his name on Craigslist. I called him. I said, "Hey, listen." I see you have a, a vending machine for $600. Um, you know, are you selling it? And he says, yeah, listen, I, you know, my name is such and such. I, I had um, 40 vending machines for over 18 years. And, you know, I'm retired. They paid off my house. They bought my, put my kids through school. I bought a house in Florida. I've got a house in Texas. I'm old. 
He said, I'm in my 60s. I'm, I'm looking to get rid of them. So if you come here right now, I'll give you both of them for uh, $600. So I bought two of them. And uh, one of the, the key elements is if, if you guys are looking at doing something like this, do not buy vending machines that are manufactured or made in China because the parts, it's just like a foreign car. If, if the, the parts, if something goes wrong on the inside, so like the bill validator, that's essentially the, the, the part that you slide your, your, your uh, $1 bill in or $5 bill. If that breaks on a Chinese machine, you're gonna be, your machine is just gonna be sitting until another one breaks and you can take it from there and, and, and put it on your machine. So anyway, you, you find spaces where people have idle time. The, the, the pediatrician's office, that's important because there's usually kids in there running around. Churches, churches usually have up to 30 services a month. Um, the tire shops, mechanics, I mean, it, it, just look for places where people have idle time. Um, so because my, my grandfather uh, was a pastor and, you know, grew up in a church and, and I basically used those connections that I had within the church and I approached, the churches are non nonprofits too. So essentially what I did was I went to them and, and churches are always looking for money. So I went to them and I said, hey, listen, I have a vending machine. You're not centrally located near any convenience stores. Would you be okay with me putting a vending machine in your basement? And I said, well, what do we get out of it? So you have to negotiate that. Now I give them anywhere between 15 and 25%. And at the end of the day, when you are filing that money, that's a tax write-off because they're nonprofits. And so now at this present moment, I have eight vending machines uh, on Long Island. And, and the ones that are doing the best, I uh, uh, have four of them at pediatrician's office. My pediatrician that I, I went to as a kid, she allowed me to use her space, paying her 15% of, of, you know, yearly, whatever comes out of the machine, whatever I make at the end of the year, I give her 15% of that and I keep uh, the other 85%. The churches are doing well. So now the churches are important because churches are, the members in churches in churches they're already skeptical about the church anyway if you if your pastor pulls up in a caddy um, they're going to be looking like you know uh, you know uh, uh, bishop kasim he just pulled up in this this x5 and and you know i mean how, where'd he get that money from you know what i'm saying and we, and we, and we all broke yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and we all broke and tired important so when i went to them, I said, listen, you have three services on Sunday, okay? You got choir rehearsal on Tuesday, okay? You might have Bible study on Wednesday or Friday night service. That's six services, that's six That's six services, okay? Now, if you throw in a funeral or wedding or some, or, or christening or baptism, you're now looking at over 30 services in a month for church. Um, and in some of these churches that are in the hood, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, Mother Williams doesn't feel like she can't really be walking around in the hood. So she goes downstairs and grabs a snack from the vending machine, you know, and, and, and these snacks, I mean, you could go to Restaurant Depot and, and, and just use your tax ID number uh, and get it for the wholesale price. So you could you can even go in the stop and shop or go to BJ's or Costco. Yes, sir. And fill your own machine. And uh, I've only had them for a, a little under a year or approaching 10 months and uh, they, they, they've done really well play some racquetball at this at this country club not likewise appreciate you hey the nba need to change that logo man man they need to get like the petition's already at like i think i just i just signed it just now nice media yeah same man like one rip kobe we love you 
and we thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of For the Community Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look inside the episode description, you will see that Kasim Ellis, the financial advisor extraordinaire himself, his information is right there for you guys. Uh, you can follow him and reach out to him on IG at Kasim Ellis. Um, this guy gets it done. You know what I'm saying? Not just because he's my blood relative. He actually does his job very, very well. His clientele is impressive and he's very good at being very personable. You know, like that's that's something ha, we're all gifted with in the family. But um, he just so happens to be a person who, who does it well in the business industry. And if you really feel like you want to, you know, get on the right track, you know, 2020, new me, new year, all this good stuff. Um, that'd be the perfect brother to uh, talk to. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Community Podcast. And we'll see you guys next week.